Hello and welcome to episode number 42 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. Today I am joined by Amelia David, our, our U.S. writer, who I unfortunately kept far later than she should be in the office to do this. I got caught up with a couple of things, but Amelia's being a trooper. She stuck around and she's a team player and going to participate in the podcast today. So thank you for joining us, yeah. Amelia. Although, to be fair, it's not at 530. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's not too late. So today it's uh, the first week of the month, which means features. And uh, a bunch of our features have gone online. Definitely be sure to check that out. They're all over the website. Amelia and I are selfish, as most humans are, and we're just going to talk about <laughs> our own features because we're the ones on the podcast, so we have the power. So we'll start, ladies first, you know, as a courtesy to you, we'll do, and since you're the visitor, uh, we'll go treasure with your treasuries platform uh, feature. So a lot of interesting stuff here about on the run, off the run markets. So, uh, you know, you can talk about it better than I can. So Amelia, give <laughs> us a little, a 30,000 foot overview of, uh, you know, treasury platforms and kind of where they are. So uh, basically what the story is about is just really looking at um, how, what, what are the, the platforms out there and what do they do? What do they solve essentially? And I kind of fell into it because I was wondering about um, high frequency trading in that space. And I figured there must be somebody who's losing. And I talked to a couple of people, in there, and I was really surprised. They were like, no, actually, it's not really that bad. We're just trying to offer an alternative, and that's what the story is. What are the alternatives to the big guys, to the HFTs? And so it looks at the two markets that are in treasuries right now, on the runs and off the runs. And it's, it's really interesting what I really found out about it. <laughs> sure. So... I just from well to start you kind of you touched on it a little bit saying you know you were interested in HFT what what piqued it specifically about the treasuries platforms how did you kind of get involved in this specific uh, sector because I'll be honest this is something I haven't covered a lot and haven't mm -hmm. written a ton about I haven't really even seen us cover or write a ton about it so what was specifically piqued your interest to get you involved I was actually talking to somebody and they mentioned and in the treasury space mm -hmm. and uh, they mentioned F HFTs and I had already been kind Kind of looking into doing a, a feature on HFTs, and I didn't even realize that, of course, HFTs would also probably be in tre the treasury space, which is an, another very big market. So that was really what what interested me, and also I'd written a story about Open Door when um, they got funding. Initially, I was interested in Open Door, one of the platforms in the story, because it's the first female-owned, <laughs> majority female-owned um, platform trading platform, and I remembered something about um, speed. We were talking about speed, and I it clicked for me. So that's why I decided to look at treasuries, which I, I have to say is not really something I'm, the, the space, the, the market isn't something I'm necessarily super familiar with. I had studied it in grad school. It's more than me. <laughs> it's not, it's one of those, it's one of those topics in grad school where I, I feel like I, I left grad school knowing about it not really understanding much about it, which is why I needed to talk to a lot of people right. for the story. I think that kind of speaks to, and you, you know, as you've been on the job now for several months and in the space in general, but specific to Waters, speaks to our role that there's technology obviously touches on every areas of the financial Basically, markets. Yeah. So instead of just, oh, we're just equities or, oh, we're just future, you know, it's, it's everything. And that's kind of part of the deal is that 
you have to be, you know, kind of a subject matter expert. Well, I mean, we're not subject matter experts. Well, you know, you just have to have a, a, a knowledge, a strong knowledge of a lot of different things because it touches in so many areas. Um, you know, the biggest, we were talking about this before, but the biggest takeaways. So basically you have the, the on the run markets that are pretty much, they're, they're, they're called for, they're settled yeah. for. It's the big guys there. You have Bloomberg, TradeWeb, TradeWeb, uh, BrokerTech, eSpeed, um, you know, which is owned by NASDAQ. They're kind of all accounted for. The, you know, more interesting area, I would say, or the, the area that's still kind of left up for debate or kind of the Wild West, so to speak, is the off-the-runs market. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that and the, the movement and stuff that we're seeing in that space. So because... Um, there's always a quest for liquidity. There's always more liquidity in the underruns market because it's the newest issuance of the U.S. Treasury. So, of course, everybody is there. And in the off-the-runs market, there's uh, it's it's very much dominated by very tailored approaches to how, like, requests for co- quotes, talking to brokers, just really uh, interpersonal relationships and trying to get the best that you want. And... It's the Wild West because that's how it is. There's no, uh, there are very few. This is the off the runs market. This now. is off the runs yeah. market. So there's very few in off the runs where that there's even an, a platform like what you have in on the runs. And so it, this, it, it's, it's open basically for a lot of innovations to come through come through and hfts don't really play as much in off the runs they do if they want to but they're not as dominant as say in on the runs Mm -hmm. how do you see the off the runs market evolving do you see it eventually moving into that on the runs space or do you think it'll always be kind of the the buttoned up front end rfq world up front and then kind of the the crazy you know, yeah. crazy uncle in the back, the off the runs. Yeah, I, I, I do not. I don't think that off the runs are ever going to um, match what's happening in on the runs. It's just a different, from everybody that I talk to, it's just a very different kind of market. It's 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 really, ba- because it's much older issuances, you, you can't expect a lot of speed to come through it. You can't expect um, the same type of liquidity. It's It's... So it's just, it's not going to be like the on the runs market. But if you're a much better expert on treasuries than me (laughs) out there, then tell me I'm wrong. There you go. Comments or something. Yeah, send (laughs) shoot us an email. It's pretty easy to find contact details. They're all over the place. But definitely let us know. We'd love to hear some feedback. And then I guess the last thing is just kind of in general, a big thing was kind of criticism around HFT. And I think this gets speaks to the la- larger conversation about kind of the electronification of markets and the spe- increasing speed of markets. But really kind of the, the thing in your last sentence here says, you know, but even they will have to acknowledge that HFT firms are here to stay. This isn't, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to leave. No. It's more of you have to adapt to the world that yeah. it's evolved to, right? Yeah. Actually, I was expecting more um, vitriol against HFT when I was reporting out the story. And I was surprised that everyone was just like, well, they're there already. <laughs> so we, we accept that. If But if people don't want to play in that space or if they can't because they can't afford to, then that's why we're here. Right. So that's exactly like if you really, really want to be like part of that space, you just have to. Sure. You have to realize that HFT is there to stay. Um, they've already built up their dominance, or you know, 
not necessarily dominance, but they've already built up their um, market there, and everybody knows to deal with them, so they're going to be there forever. Sure. Switching gears a little bit to my feature, which was the cover story on Chris Isaacson, who is BATS Global Markets CIO. Interesting story by the fact that Chris is soon to be the CIO for uh, CBOE Holdings. So quick kind of funny backstory. I mentioned this in my column, but uh, I interviewed Chris. So the story went live end of October, November. Uh, The announcement came out in September, I believe, late September for that, uh, that BATS would be acquired by CBOE Holdings. I spoke to Chris prior to that acquisition, prior to it being public knowledge. So... I, you know, we had the the conversation on the understanding that he was. This was about bats. Him being the global CIO. Then turn around, news breaks, and not only does the news break. You know, a merger like that. There's so many shifting pieces that maybe it wouldn't be. You know, acknowledged. But Chris was acknowledged right in the release that he would be <laughs> taking over technology for this new entity, and that would be kind of the, it would, this the new CBOE Holdings te- entity would be running on bats technology that would be headed up by Chris. So he's in a very integral part of this. My, this huge migration. So kind of through the story for a loop a little bit, need to do a follow-up interview. Chris was a good sport. You know, there's only so much you can talk about when, uh, before regulatory approval, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just a lot of yellow tape. It's going to get approved, but you never know. And, you know, better safe than sorry. I completely understand and respect him having to do that. But uh, just the overall story, Chris, you know, I, I wrote my opinion piece about how I thought he was a good fit for the new look CBO. Very determined smart guy just comes off right off the bat as being someone that knows exactly what he's doing and is very um is very driven you know i mean he's not even 40 years old he's what he's 38 i think he just his birthday if i remember correctly uh is yeah he's 38 years old if his birthday i remember correctly is in september or october so he's a new 38 so he's a young guy um you know, has been at bats since the start, was one of the first five programmers and kind of climbed the ladder. And it was just a really interesting conversation, whether we were talking about the different integrations they had or, um, you know, I mean, one of the big things that stood out was the uh, the IPO, the failure of the first IPO launch. Chris was a good sport about that too, being pretty open about, you know, what happened, how it all went down and how they grew from it. So um, I think it's an interesting piece, uh, if not because this is a guy that's going to be around for a while and is now going to be running tech on you know one of the biggest exchange operators in the world when you know they they come together. Uh, Mio, you you read the piece. What did yeah. you take away? Any questions you have, or what what did you think? You know, actually, because I remember you um, when we were discussing the cover story, and um, you mentioned that well, he's also going to be the the, the head of technology for for CBOE, and you're like, I don't know if he really wants to talk about that. So that's really interesting that he was really open talking about the new position that he's going to have. Right, yeah. I mean, he was definitely as, as open as, as one can be when, like I said, when the regulatory filing is still taking place. You know, he talked about how he's excited to work with the new team, how, you know, he thinks that, I think the biggest takeaway, and this has been written about, Anthony and I talked about this on the podcast too, but it's just a perfect match of you have great technology with bats and then you have the pres- prestige of the CBOE mm-hmm. and the kind of proprietary products that ha- they have. So it's a good combination of, you know, putting this great underlying tech with some of these great products and this great name brand recognition. Not to say Bats doesn't have a great name brand recognition. They just haven't been around as long. Yeah. You know, CBOE has <laughs> kind of been around forever. So I think it's it's kind of the perfect merger and, um, you know, not just to speak ill of any of the folks over at CBOE, but, 
you want a guy that's been running the tech at bats to run the tech for your new company when it's going to be running on bats yeah. tech. It just makes sense. It's a logical next step. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's exciting times. Chris, like I said, he's a very smart guy, and I, I think he's going to do very well there. He, but they've already done a lot of the migration before it because they bought um, another company. Right. Well, yeah. so he's done he, he's done migrations before. So there was uh, BZ Options, BZX Options. Um, there was Direct Edge. Um, there was ShyX. Um, so he's he's familiar. He knows his way around a migration, um, which is why I think that you know he, you know Direct Edge being being the biggest BZX Options being the most recent. Um, but he knows how to take care of these type of things. And, uh, I think that he's good, you know, from, from what he knows how to lead a team at the end of the day, you know, he knows this technology better than anybody. He built it. You know, I mean, one of the first 13 guys on the ground floor of bats, one of the first five writing code for them, you know, worked up from being on the trading platform and trading desk and taking calls from customers. So he knows what the people want. Um, you know, a true story of kind of, grinding and and working your way up. I mean, he's been there since he's, I think, 25, 26 years old, something like that. So, you know, it's been a while. And I I think he's, like I said, I think he's the right choice for the position. I know he couldn't really talk about um, the the plans moving forward because it's still under um, the the regulators still have to look at the deal. But did he indicate that it's if it's if he thinks this is going to be a much a uh, very smooth transition? I mean, he does know that yeah. technology backwards and forwards. He knows how to put everything there. Yeah, I think you know he couldn't dive too much into it. So just you know, regulatory approvals uh, projected to come out in uh, by they say by uh, the the middle of next year, I think, mm. uh, beginning of next year. Uh, and you know, he can only speak so much about it. But I think that. He's comfortable with the team he has, and he's comfortable with the team he's adopting in CBOE. And uh, I think I think he, you know, it's going to be a multi-year project. It's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's comfortable with the the tools that he has and the uh, the job he knows going ahead of time. So we'll switch gears now, finally, to the last piece of the day we're going to touch, uh, which is not a feature, but it's a great analysis piece by Amelia on Accenture's uh, editable, editable. <laughs> edit, edit, editable, I was getting made fun of because I was calling it an edible, and no, you can't eat it, but it, it's an editable blockchain. Now, I wrote a column about this a while ago. The reason it's cropping up again is we had a conference, mm-hmm. uh, the BuySide Technology, uh, BuySide North American Summit, uh, BuySide Technology North American Summit, got it on the third time. And uh, <laughs> at that conference, we had a distributed ledger blockchain panel. And as you always need to do now a- in as every you, conference. Yes, yes the, uh, the token uh, bl- uh, blockchain panel. And uh, for this particular panel, uh, some of the folks that sat on it, uh, particularly what, Christopher Bernisch, right? Yeah. And uh, Rares Padanu, um, probably pronouncing some of these names horribly wrong. But they were maybe not so kind to what they thought of Accenture's yeah. venture. So naturally, we have to give Accenture the chance to rebut. So Amelia reached out to Accenture and kind of cobbled it all together in this piece. Uh, you wrote it. I've written a opinion piece on yeah. it, but you wrote it. Why don't you tell us? I know I kind of gave it the big view, but why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of both sides' arguments? Okay. Wait, um, just first, uh, during the panel, this wasn't actually uh, a um, a thing that they wanted to discuss. 
it was a question and of course they answered just just to make that clear that nobody is like shitting on them yeah for, like, no, no they, reason they yeah <laughs> they, it wasn't like they purposely went out to attack a censure or anything this was um i believe it was through our slido yeah right? it, it was, was a, one, a, a question from the audience basically asking yeah. what they thought of yeah. the editable uh blockchain and uh, its merits, essentially. Yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so, so yeah, basically the story is just really looking at what is Accenture's blockchain, and uh, because one of the one of the criticisms is that if it's editable, it's not blockchain. So, but what Accenture is saying that is that it's really important that you have an editable blockchain blockchain so you can meet a lot of the regulations that um that is out there like the eu's right to be forgotten um and not necessarily for the financial industry but say if you use blockchain in the healthcare industry where there's a lot of very um uh, sensitive medical information and there's a lot of regulations around that the information that you can give you have to be able to delete something and that's what they really want to do with the whole um, idea behind an editable blockchain, which I get, I understand, and, and it's a very good idea. Um, the question, of course, is um, are we that far ahead of where we are in the development of blockchain to introduce this? And I think it's a great, again, I think, I think it's a great idea, um, but of course a lot of people think it's not even a blockchain if you can change something in the chain. Right. And that was the perspective of the panelists. You know, I mean, here's one quote from uh, from Christopher Berniski of uh, ARK Invest, which is an active manager of thematic uh, ETFs, saying that would nullify my definition of a blockchain because if it's edible, edit. Editable. editable, then it's a read-write database. While I'm being somewhat dismissive of it, Accenture is a smart organization. I need to see what implementation they're going to use it for and why specifically it is a blockchain. So that's kind of been the, you know, I wrote in my column, that's been the, the piece. Everyone's saying, well, if we can edit it, then it's basically a database and it's not a real blockchain. And I get that argument. I understand why folks are saying, you know, if you, you know, is a tiger a tiger without its stripes? Yeah. You know, if you change something so much, does it really lose the core of, of what it is? I get that. But on the other hand, this has been around since blockchain's been around. This idea that what are we going to do with this thing that we can't change? Like yeah. what happens if we screw up? I've heard that from folks I've talked to all the time about blockchain, whether they're pro or against it. They've all said that's a huge hurdle. That's a huge issue that needs to be sorted out. So Accenture comes along and says, well, this needs to be changed so that the banks can accept it. Why not make it so that it's more acceptable for banks? Okay, we'll make it editable. And I understand where they're coming from. And I feel like part of this is that it's the folks that have kind of built this. And we talked about this when we talked about blockchain. Yeah. Now, this is financial services special little thing. This is their thing that they created. This is their internet. This is their unique blockchain cool thing yeah. that no one else can touch and so innovative and it's on the cover of all these fancy magazines and the public loves it well 
now that they've changed it, oh, well, it's not cool anymore. It's kind of like when your favorite band makes it big <laughs> and everybody else knows about your favorite band. You know, I remember I used to love The Strokes and then all of a sudden The Strokes hit it big and they're on MTV and I'm like, man, this sucks. The Strokes are cool. I used to like them before they were big. You're such a hipster. Exactly. That's what this is. These are blockchain hipsters. I respect the hell out of these panelists. These guys are super, super smart. I've seen Rares speak at up at our Toronto conference. The guy is mind-blowingly intelligent he knows what he's talking about especially when it comes to distributed ledger i just i just think that at the end of the day whether you like it or not they have to sell this they want to make this applicable to banks if this is how banks are going to adopt it quicker then this is yeah. the route we're going to go down i mean that is the that is the idea behind it is that if, if it's going to open up to a lot more if we're going to open up blockchain to a lot more industries not and not just basically use it as a golden record then you need something like this that meets a lot of their requirements and um uh, uh, one of the people I talked to, David Treat from Accenture, he did make a point uh, to say that, look, a lot of the people who were um, who were saying that this is a bad idea, then it's not a blockchain, they were, yes, they've been developing the technology for a while, but because they were developing it not with a mind of, oh, we have to meet certain regulations, they didn't think about the regulations. And here comes Accenture, who has who has to give their clients the best um, advice that they can give in terms of technology. Then that's definitely one of the things they have to talk about: is how are they going to be able to edit that blockchain? Right. I get it. You know, I get it. It's a bastardization of, of blockchain. It's not what the uh, the folks that created it want to see it become. But like I said, if that's going to lead to the adoption, and like you said, Accenture has to work for its clients yeah. and what's best for its clients. And, you know, if that's how it's going to be adopted, that's how it's going to be adopted. Yeah, I mean, uh, I talked to um, Hyperledger about this and um, they did say that uh, the whole I the whole definition of what a blockchain is is constantly evolving. Sure. And uh, he actually, I didn't put it here, but he likened it to um, um, the Internet how the internet is really just supposed to talk, be about the the wire the, the TCP IP that's what the internet is but now when you say the internet you mean the whole idea of the web you have social media you have the websites you have email that's the internet for us now right. and maybe in the future that's what blockchain is going to be sure well, we have U.S. Editor Anthony Malakian looming, looming <laughs> over us. I think he wants to talk a little bit about Cubs. Uh, first, before I get him on, Amelia, thanks so much for, for joining us. Thanks for uh, to chatting about the features. We appreciate your, uh, your input. Next week, you guys can read all about my Julia feature, which will be fantastic. Yeah, so I know Anthony wants to pop in here real quick because we talked about, um, we've been talking about the World Series, and yeah. your favorite team, your second favorite team besides the Astros, finally won. So congratulations yeah, to you, yeah. the biggest Cubbies fan I know. Um, what are your thoughts? How excited are you for Chicago to have uh, finally raised the, uh, the banners? Again, I mean, all these people are like, oh, it's so nice to see the Cubs win. Now, everybody that you know that's an Indians fan, they've now watched their team lose two absolutely brutal Game 7s within a 20-year span, like where they had a lead going to ninth inning in, what was it, 97, lose to the Marlins. Now this one, they come back tied up. It seemed destined that they were going to win. The Cubs would keep on, you know, the curse going. And, of course, you know, just just didn't work out that way. So what I think is that, if you were happy to see the Cubs win because of, oh, look, isn't it nice for his fans? 
but then you don't really understand empathy and you don't oh, really have compassion because the Indians fans have suffered through so much more than this. So, but, I mean. But they haven't because the Cubs haven't won since 1908. Or and how many people? Okay, for those people that are that old that, you know, okay, fine. But the Indians haven't won since the 40s. So many people didn't get to see that where they were little children don't remember, you know. So it, 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 it's most of the Cubs fans, they're already gone. You know, from from that 1908 uh, season. But the Cubs fans have had 40, 40 years of of pain before. The, that's what Indians fans are just Cubs fans before they were Cubs before they were Cubs fans. Forty years. But again, 40 no years one earlier. can remember back that long except for a handful of people. But I'm saying you have this organization that's been beaten down so much. 40 years ago, the Cubs probably were like Indians fans, but then they realized they kept getting beaten down, beaten down so much that they became the lovable Cubbies. This is what I want to know. So the Indians are now at, I'm not sure what the numbers is, but how, however many years that is since uh, they won. 47 was the last World Series, right. right? So however many years that is today. I'm terrible at math. That's why I write. Um, but number two on that list now of the longest drought championship drought streak in Major League Baseball is the Texas Rangers at, uh, I think, 46, followed by 45, which is the Houston Astros. So now can I take on this whining, bitching, and moaning that all these other fans, oh, our franchises haven't won any championships. You should all love us because we're so lovable and are losing. Screw you. Screw your fan bases. All right. Just because my my franchise hasn't won in a long time, you know, just because uh, we've never won. Actually, no one's ever seen a Houston Astros World Series. So everybody in Chicago, at least we can shut them up. And now you guys can become the, like the all those asshole Red Sox fans that are just like, ah, oh, now we're you know this is great. Let's keep on buying talent. And you are uh, literally the only. Uh, I think you're the only person in the country. I'm pretty I, that sure that this, Cleveland is uh... well, Cleveland, but <laughs> outside of Cleveland. To be I don't fair, understand was, this vitriol. It was a great game. It was a great series, a great game. Um, I be God, that was just so dramatic. Um, How much did the rain delay help the Cubs? Uh, you know, I mean, you'd have to figure a lot, you know, but you never know. Um, with, with something like that, it was just—I thought it was kind of peculiar. Peculiar. That Indy, that the Indians, Cleveland had to work their way. It's a monsoon pouring down. They're like, no, no, you work your way through this inning, and then it's like at the end, it's like, oh, okay, let's now make sure that the rain kind of lightens down for when Chicago now has to go out here and pitch some baseball. So no, nope, nope, sorry, don't care for any of it. Wow. Um, but the game was great. I loved it. Um, I was at a bar that was going absolutely mad, and it was a lot of fun. How much shit would Joe Madden have caught? If they would have lost that game, between I mean, taking out yeah. Hendricks, between the three-two bunt, um, between putting Chapman in, what? How much? How? How? He's, how, the, he's the biggest the winner. Yeah, he's the biggest winner of this whole thing, yeah. right? He was gonna be. Uh, he was gonna. He was on verge of being like a Grady Little-esque kind of uh, character, even though Grady just made one bad move with Pedro Martinez um, back in the day. Uh, yeah, that was. It was a comedy of errors, but. You know, um, what's the of those three? Because I think those were correct me if I'm wrong. I think those are three. It's taking Hendricks out and putting. How Lester do you take in. out Hendricks? I, that was beyond me. I mean, you think that's worse than the three-two bunt? Yes, that's bad. I get it, but I at least that's just it. That's like a a single play in a moment. Okay, I got it. This is you are taking out a pitcher who is doing a great job. You have a lead. It didn't make and and Lester. Um, is a risky pitcher. He's a great starting pitcher, but he's risky in that he can't hold runners. 
have a runner on base. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does have – so for him to kind of come in there and be like, okay, hold these runners on, you know, don't give any runs. I don't know. He's asking a lot right there out of a pitcher isn't used to it, who isn't really built for that I'm going to come on in relief kind of moment the way Kershaw is who's just going to power pass. You know, I don't know. That's me. It, and it did blow up in their face for a little bit there. So let's play fake sports talk radio real quick and mm-hmm. do what every sports talk radio does. Looking ahead to 2017, who are your favorites for the World Series? Well, I mean, we should all be rooting for the Houston Astros, I think. You know, okay. I mean, besides uh, that asinine theory, can you give us some real uh, suggestions? We'll have to think? see how free agency plays out. Uh, it's still too. I mean, Chicago is built to be very good for a long time. I mean, they have a ton of talent there. They're not going to be in any sort of trouble. Um, they could be going on a run here, the similar that the the similar way that the Yankees went on a run um, in the '90s there. Um, so you got to like them, you know, Cleveland. Cleveland, there's a lot that went well for them this year right. with a lot of their players. You know, can they reproduce a lot of the magic that they had, and especially after losing the way that they lost? They have an absolutely brilliant manager um, in uh, the dugout there, so you got to figure that they'll be contending. And the Central isn't really that great of a division to sure. begin with, um, so they'll be back in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, let's just see how the. I mean, I think the Mets, if the Mets come back, actually very healthy. If they that, can keep Yo, if they can re-sign Yo. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that obviously need to happen there, but the pitching staff, I'm, I don't think they – I think that they still – you get them into the playoffs with a healthy pitching staff. Well, that's the big thing. And well, that yeah. team, they don't need Yo. They can be the Chicago – San Francisco Giants, you know, that right. we're winning with guys you've never heard of in your life. You know? Right. Yeah, that's true. Real quick, I know you got to go. Uh, we're putting this up. The next time we'll talk, there will be a new elected United States president. That's true. What are your thoughts now coming down the whole? Are you holding? Because the polls have shifted. I know you're a big believer that it's all BS. They're just doing this to kind of drive up ratings. Are you still 100% it's going to be Hillary, not a chance of Trump? Or I mean, it is funny how she's just trying to give this away. And these emails are definitely interesting. There's a lot of things that we could probably talk about conspiracy theory-wise in another conversation at the bar. But, (laughs) yes, uh, she still wins easy. Um, but God, even like, it, it's just, everything keeps on coming out. Like, even if you don't, you hate Trump and everything like that, it's like, seriously, this is going to be the person that's going to be a president. Oh man. Oh, Canada, our home and native land. See, Will should... they open up their arms to us? Yeah. Let's see. You should go up to Chicago. Then you'd be close to the board. You'd be <laughs> by your, your favorite fans and then you could just pop right over the, uh, the lake exactly. and, and be right there. Um, all right. Well, that's it. I guess. Do we have anything else exciting? To, we got the uh, the conference coming up, Waters USA, but that's a few weeks and out. If, I mean, it's not our conference, but uh, Risk uh, USA is next week coming up, uh, this week coming up here. And there's interesting stuff, and they have some technology angles there. It might be worth uh, some of our listeners uh, giving a check out. I'm and pretty sure it's like ours, where if you're an end user, it's free to attend. And Anthony and I will be there, so at some point or another, not the whole time probably, but we'll be popping around at some point. I'm so. just going to try and get free drinks from the Risk guys, so that's my, my whole thing. There you go. And yeah. uh, if you are an end user and you don't get in for free, just tell them Anthony and Dan said it's cool. Yeah, it's you listen cool. to the Waters yeah. Wave Lake podcast, and they'll definitely let you in for free. Yeah, sure. So don't worry about that. But uh, other than that, thanks for listening, and uh, tune back in next week.